it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is December the 16th, 2022. Um, Hanukkah is about to start on Sunday night and Christmas not long thereafter. It's a joyous time of year. I hope it's a good time of year for all of uh, you out there. Um, I know that the holidays can also be very difficult for people who've uh, suffered losses and tragedies. And, and we really need to be compassionate towards one another. That's something that I wish, um, as a society, we did a better job of teaching each other to be respectful and compassionate. Uh, one of my favorite bumper stickers reads, um, be, care, be kind to the people you meet. You don't know the battles they're fighting. And, and unfortunately, across America, too many people are fighting various battles. I, I wish you all well with those endeavors. Uh, also, and I thank you for joining me, but adding to our problems, and there's a long list of them, I don't want to focus on the negative, but we have to deal with the reality. Many of these are self-inflicted wounds, and that's what's incomprehensible to me personally. Abraham Lincoln aspirationally spoke of America as a country of the people, by the people, and for the people. I'm still trying to figure out uh, when I look at the local crop of politicians, frankly, from both parties, what people they think they're representing other than those who write the checks, uh, turning those checks into bribes. Uh, George Washington, you know, was very much against political parties. Uh, he had a wonderful quote about political parties uh, because he understood um, really and truly what the dangers are to, uh, to, to political parties and the damage that they do. Uh, I mean, it's just, a, a, unfortunately, all too common a problem. It's about the consolidating of political power for some very unscrupulous people, unfortunately. Let me see if I could dig up the George Washington quote before we get into the uh, issues at hand today. But uh, this is why I always tell people this nonsense of saying, well, it's one party or the other. Uh, I don't buy it. Um, I mean, the Biden administration is a catastrophe. And full disclosure, I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. But uh, this is not the Democrat Party that I signed up with back when I went to Brooklyn College and first voted. But um, here's the uh, George Washington quote about political parties. Think about how good old George got it right. However, political parties may now and then answer popular ends. They are likely in the course of time and things to become potent engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people 
and to usurp for themselves the reins of government, destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. I mean, isn't that what we're seeing? If politicians simply represented their constituents, we wouldn't be in this mess. And one of the key questions that I would love every politician or every spokesperson so-called for every politician to answer is a very simple question. How are your policies in the best interests of the people that you're supposed to represent? How are the policies of the Biden administration in the best interests of the average American family? Simple question. Not difficult. That's the question you're never going to hear. Because there's not a damn thing they're doing that's helping the average American family, period. Every politician promises to create jobs. I'm going to create jobs. I'm running for dog catcher. We're going to create jobs. You know, we, we hear it all the time. What's good are the jobs if you drive wages through the floor by making American workers compete with foreign workers, which is not supposed to happen. That's in the immigration laws. So we keep hearing, well, our immigration laws are old. They're antiquated. They're, 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 they, they have to be modernized. And the first thing that the politicians from both parties want to do to modernize our immigration laws is to eliminate the clause in Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, and I'll paraphrase, that says that foreign workers should not be employed as long as there are American workers who are ready, willing, and able to do the work within the geographical area that the work needs to be done. So if we can find Americans, we're going to hire Americans. That's what the law says we're supposed to do. How dare we look out for our average Americans? You know what that means? It means Americans will demand better wages. Americans will demand legal, proper working conditions. When you can bring in foreign workers who will work for substandard wages under substandard conditions, and by the way, it's not only the illegal aliens. It's about flooding America with cheap, exploitable labor, because don't forget this one principle. It's one of Cutler's principles. There's always room for more oarsmen and or as women, I guess, on a slave ship. And Alan Greenspan went on about this at length. And when I tried to confront Bob Goodlad about it, uh, he didn't want to have that conversation. It was truly remarkable. Because Alan Greenspan stated that the solution to wage inequality was to make American high-tech workers compete with foreign workers for their jobs. And if you did that, we would get rid of the unreasonably high wages that we're paying these Americans whom he referred to, I kid you not, as the privileged elite. And he said, if you could make Americans compete with foreign workers the way that Bill Gates wants, Bill Gates, this is the guy that's running our government, right? Enough money, you buy the government. This is the best government money could buy. If we do what Gates wants, we're going to bring in a whole bunch of foreign workers, unlimited quotas. We can drive down the wages of high-tech American workers, and thereby greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. That should have been a headline news report. April 30th, 2009, that hearing held by Chuck Schumer when he chaired the Senate Immigration Subcommittee. They laid it right out. We're going to flood America with foreign workers, make Americans compete with those foreign workers for the jobs. We will drive wages through the floorboards, and then America's working poor won't have much to be envious of when they look at these well-educated, high-tech Americans with multiple advanced degrees who are getting hammered into the ground by making them compete with the third world. That's not what the laws require. The laws require that Americans get the shot at that job. 
And so now that there is a slowdown in the tech industries, you've got to go online and look at all these terrible articles. Oh, my God, they're about to deport all these high-tech workers. No one's deporting anybody. Deportation means, and I should know as an immigration agent, I made quite a few arrests, very proud of all those arrests I made. I only wish I had made more because it was the right thing to do. But the idea is if you deport someone, it means that they violated the law, you went after them, you arrested them, you put them before an immigration judge, and the judge ordered them formally deported from the United States, which meant that if they came back, they were committing a felony and faced years in jail. In fact, as I've mentioned frequently on this program, I worked with Senator Aldamato in the early 80s to make that crime of reentry after deportation, unlawful reentry, a 20-year maximum felony for criminal aliens. Up until that point, there was no such distinction, and the worst that an alien faced coming back illegally was two years in jail. And I said, you know what, two years in jail is great for a dishwasher, a farm worker, a guy working in a sweatshop. But if you're a drug dealer, you're a rapist, you're a child molester, you're a terrorist, you're a money launderer, you should be looking at 20 years in jail if you come back to discourage people from coming back after we deport them. Makes sense. Under the Trump administration, that was the most frequently prosecuted felony. Think about that. So the entire Justice Department to protect American lives, America's national security, America's public safety, public health. That's what the immigration laws are about. It's not about race or religion. It's about protecting national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of Americans. Wow, how terrible to enforce those goals, right? What are you thinking? You want to keep murderers out of the country? You want to keep child rapists out of the country? What's wrong with you? Don't they need to be able to come to America to have a good time? The hell with the Americans that will die or suffer permanent damage. As I said, this is no longer a government of the people, by the people, or for the people. And I was on a radio show recently, and the host said to me, well, Mike, you know, look what the Bidens are doing. And the, look, look what the Re- Democrats are doing. You know, the Republicans, are they? Oh. I said, the Republicans did not have this big red wave, and they didn't deserve that big red wave. They deserved a big red wave goodbye, in my judgment. Why? Because... They did not provide a single solution to the nightmares created by the Biden administration, other than to say, we're not the Democrats. We're not the Democrats. I could solve the immigration problem within a matter of months if I was given the resources I needed. I really could. And the key has nothing to do with Border Patrol, but that's all you're going to hear from the Democrats and the Republicans, because they don't want the immigration crisis solved. They want to use it as a way of raising money. Pay for our campaign because we oppose the other party. What's the real solution? It's interior enforcement. And we're going to get into it. I keep talking about it. We're going to talk about it a bit later on, especially in light of Title 42 being lifted, uh, it would seem, within the next week or so. But the problem is that neither party really wants to solve the problem because they are bought and paid for by the same lobbyists, the same special interest groups. It's all about the American Immigration Lawyers Association. It's about the United States Chamber of Commerce. It's about all these so-called NGO nonprofits. Believe me, they're anything but nonprofits. In fact, I have a proposal. The left, starting with Jimmy Carter, started this Orwellian nonsense that you can't use the word alien to describe aliens. How dare you? Legally, the word alien simply means any person who is not a citizen or national of the United States. Not my definition. It's actually contained within the Immigration and Nationality Act. It has a whole list of definitions. Every section of law, whether it's about firearms or drugs or motor vehicles, those laws have to define what those items are. You can't arrest someone for possession of a firearm if you don't describe what a firearm is, right? So 
if you go into the, the gun sections of the law, they will tell you what a firearm is. I don't have the definition off the top of my head. It's not normally something I deal with on that level. But you have to define firearm, or how in the world do you say that someone was in possession of an illegal firearm? We do the same thing with aliens. So the term alien simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. What's wrong with that definition? The answer is there's nothing wrong with that definition. What's wrong with the definition or the word alien, I'll tell you what's wrong with it, is it provides clarity to any discussion that we might have about immigration. And Jimmy Carter, going back to the late 70s, was already talking about a massive amnesty, was already talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. In fact, on the seventh anniversary of my hiring on with the old INS, I wound up given the assignment of driving Leonel Castillo around. He came to New York, and he was at the time the commissioner of the Immigration Service. And he had the chutzpah to say to me that the undocumented, or whatever it was that we were calling them, or he was preparing to call them, the, the citizens of Mexico who came here were more honest and more conscientious than any Americans. The guy had an absolute abject hatred that I could determine from our conversation for Americans. Americans are the criminals. Americans are the problem. Mexicans are fabulous. Mexicans are conscientious. And I'm sitting there saying, this guy is the commissioner of the Immigration Service. And I said, I have a stack of files on my desk, Mr. Commissioner, of aliens who've come here, not just from Mexico, but from all over the world, including Israel. And I'm Jewish. This has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. But I have a stack of files of aliens I'm trying to locate because they have a rap sheet that's a mile long. They've been involved in murder and firearms and robbery and you name the offenses. They're dangerous. And he said to me, I don't accept that. I said, well, you're the commissioner. I'm sure I can show you my files. If you looked at the files, you would see that what I'm telling you is accurate. And he said to me, I don't want to hear another word about anybody who comes to this country from another country who's doing anything wrong because I don't accept that that's possible. I was dumbfounded. And I said, are you afraid that I will confuse you with the facts? And at that point, he said to me, Mr. Cutler, you and I are done. You're not driving me anymore. I don't need to hear this from you. I was astonished. I was astonished. The commissioner of the Immigration Service and the Jimmy Carter thought that Americans were the problem, not people who came to this country from other countries to commit crime. And the issue of crime is universal because human nature is human nature. I've arrested people from all over the world, every race, every religion, every ethnicity, because every group has the good, the bad, and the ugly, just the way it is. It's just human nature. We all bleed red when we're cut, and human nature is universal. But not to Mr. Castillo. And it was astonishing. And he said to me, what's wrong with giving amnesty to everybody? We can't enforce the laws anyway. Well, if you're going to say we can't enforce the laws anyway, then why bother with an amnesty? Let's just get rid of all the laws and have an open border like we're witnessing right now with Biden, right? And I said to him, you know, there's other laws on the books that are far less enforceable, Mr. Commissioner, than the immigration laws. He said, name one. I said, how about motor vehicle laws? I said, I can't think of the last time I got on the highway, drove my car, and saw people zipping past me, and they didn't get stopped. And I said, you're from Texas, because he was. And I know in Texas, people tend to really speed, because when they tell you that the destination you're going to is a bit down the road, it means you better bring a sleeping bag, because Texas is that huge. I know, I went to Border Patrol Academy in Texas, and I visited Texas a whole bunch of times. In fact, my dad's brother, my uncle, uh, had lived in Texas. So when I hear this nonsense, you know, we can't enforce the law, so the solution is amnesty, that's a non-solution. 
he wasn't happy with me. Castillo was not happy. But we started this Orwellian language. We're going to refer to illegal aliens as undocumented immigrants. What does that even mean? It's all about artful use of language to deceive the American people. It's the name game. It's straight out of the pages of George Orwell. So I have a proposal, folks, because back then I got so angry when we were told that we could no longer use the term illegal alien to describe illegal aliens. I said, well, why don't we just call them what they are, pre-citizens? And that actually caught on. I mean, I had Border Patrol agents calling me up saying, I need to have an immigration file that you have in your safe because you apparently arrested this guy last year, and we just found him again on the border. Uh, but they called them uh, free citizens the way I did because everyone thought that, you know, we, we knew what this was about. This was a con game being perpetrated by our own government on the American people, just like the Reagan amnesty was a con game. Oh, it involved about a million, and then it wound up involving almost four million and that wasn't even a number. That was another lie. Because the four million that we legalized, or three and a half million, whatever the number was, did not include how many more family members, specifically their minor children and spouses, they ultimately brought to the United States. So the Reagan amnesty probably wound up giving us 20 million you know, immigrants. Games being played by both parties, conning the American people. Go back to what Washington said about the political parties. So here's my proposal. Instead of calling them migrants, which is not an accurate word, there are American migrant farm workers. If you look up migrant, it simply means a person who travels from place to place to work. They could be traveling across international borders, but they don't have to be. The American Farm Workers Union um, that was started by Cesar Chavez involved American migrant workers, and he was dead set against illegal immigration because he said that when you start flooding America with foreign workers, you're going to drive down wages and conditions for the Americans. Of course, the movies paint a very different picture. But whoever said they're going to be honest about anything, right? He was very much upset with illegal immigration because to him, migrant farm workers were American farm workers who traveled from farm to farm doing the farm work, doing the harvesting, doing the planting, etc. So why don't we, instead of calling these folks migrants, which isn't accurate, why don't we call them what they really are? Are you ready for this? I am proposing that from now on we refer to these folks who come to our country and they're aliens that we're talking about, but if you don't want to use the alien, why don't we term alien, why don't we call them what they are? They're clients. They're law firm clients and they're NGO clients. See? Because what has happened in this immigration delivery system that we've been witnessing the expansion thereof for decades, right, decades, is really an immigration delivery system that delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor. Again, not just the illegals, but the high-tech workers as well. An unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students, and most importantly, clients for immigration law firms. These aliens who are pouring across the border are all clients of the law firms or all clients of the NGOs. And I wrote an article just a couple of months ago about the end of Title 42. Um, this was for Front Page Magazine, May 19th, Title 42 and Chaos on the Border, right? And I started out by saying that Tom Homan, the former ICE director or acting ICE director, uh, warned that the Biden administration's move to end Title 42 would create chaos across the border. And then we talked about, or I talked about in my article, how 
an organization, an NGO, had been given millions and millions of dollars in no-bid contracts to provide housing and services to the illegal aliens, and that the uh, organization Judicial Watch published a report that talked about this and the fact that $17 million went to that NGO for beds that were never used. And it turned out, according to the NGO, uh, according to Judicial Watch, and they themselves were quoting an inspector general report, said that that outfit, that NGO, that non-government organization that got that no-bid contract, got that contract shortly after hiring a former administration official from the Biden administration who was involved with the transition team when Biden came to office. The guy worked for DHS under Biden, left DHS, went to work for that outfit, and bango, they wind up with this huge contract, including $17 million for beds that were never even used. So what we're looking at is the funding mechanisms, slush funds. I mean, you saw it with this whole thing with cryptocurrency, and I'll be honest, I don't understand cryptocurrency. I will never pretend to know something I don't know. But it seems from everything I'm reading that it was really a massive slush fund, right, for political contributions, uh, political bribes. Let's get it right. So now it turns out that you have all these NGOs waiting in line, and that's what you're seeing this administration doing looking for billions of dollars to do what? For resources on the border to secure the border? Absolutely not. What they're looking for is opportunities to pump money into these non-government organizations, and and God only knows how that money goes round and round. You've got to love how political campaign finance works. A corporation makes a contribution to a political party, and suddenly the company gets a contract to build widgets for the government. I call that money laundering, right? You give me the money, I give you the money, and it goes round and round, and this is all taxpayer money. But uh, <laughs> what are the taxpayers getting for the money? A big screwing. In fact, I, you know, um, uh, instead of the bald eagle being the mascot of the United States, maybe it should be a big screw because we're being screwed royally by both political parties, and it doesn't seem to ever end. Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that the mascot of the United States should be a pendulum. I I like that idea. I'd like to think that the pendulum, having gone so far to the left that it's in the twilight zone, that we will push it back towards center. We better do it, folks, because we're in deep trouble. But if you look at the corruption and the lunacy, why is there no interior enforcement? I mean, that's really the key to all of this. It's funny, because just before I went on the air today, I was watching Fox Weather, and they were talking about the potential for another nor'easter blowing into the northeast next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend. And the attractive young lady on TV said, so considering that we're likely to get hammered yet again with more snow and more bad weather and, and Arctic you know, um, low is coming down from the Arctic and temperatures are going to be 20 below normal and get prepared, be prepared, take measures. And I thought, what a great analogy. We know we're about to be flooded, right? It's like when Katrina hit. We're about to be flooded, the human tsunami, and we're being flooded as it is. But it's going to get worse. Has a single Republican, to your knowledge, folks, stood up and said, you know what the solution to the end of Title 42 is? Gear up interior enforcement. We should have been doing this for decades. 
Even Donald Trump didn't gear up interior enforcement. He did create an office to go after people that lied on their applications to U.S. citizenship, which is really critical because we've seen terrorists get U.S. citizenship so they can travel on two separate passports to cover their tracks. In fact, if you go through the materials about so many terrorists who've been arrested, you will see that their handlers overseas told them, come to America, get lawful status, get U.S. citizenship, get a U.S. passport, and only then should you try to come to the Middle East to join ISIS, Al-Qaeda, whichever group you want to fight on the side of. Okay? We know that immigration fraud was the key method of entry and embedding for the terrorists, immigration fraud. That's interior enforcement. That's not the Border Patrol. And yet over here from the Republicans, we don't need 87,000 uh, IRS agents. No, 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 no. We need 87,000 Border Patrol agents. No, we don't. That's ridiculous. We could always use some more Border Patrol agents. Don't misunderstand it. I'm a fan of the Border Patrol. But anybody who is determined to enter the United States will ultimately succeed. I may have mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. I know last week, by the way, forgive me for not having joined you, I came down and my wife came down with a, a, a nasty flu. It wasn't COVID, but whatever it was, it was really vicious. But, but thank God uh, we're both back up and running at full speed. Uh, but, boy, last week was, was an interesting week. Uh, but but if, you, if you look at where we are with all of this, they keep talking about Border Patrol and Border Patrol and more Border Patrol. And I've made the point that the Border Patrol's only mission is interdiction. And, in fact, years ago when I had private meetings with members of Congress and their staffers, and those meetings were far more productive than the many hearings where I testified formally before Congress because you don't sit there looking at that little five-minute clock and, and you're able to have a freewheeling conversation. And there's no media, so it's all off the record. And it's really, I think, very productive to have those closed-door sessions. And I had a bunch of those, too. But I remember asking a bunch of members of the House, including at the time the chairman of the Immigration Subcommittee, I believe that he was there at the time, Lamar Smith and John Hostetler, good guys. Uh, and I said, how many times does an aspiring illegal alien have to run the border before they succeed? And I think that it was Lamar Smith who said to me, uh, Mr. Cutler, are you telling me there's a specific number? I said, no, but there is a formula. An aspiring illegal alien will ultimately succeed as long as they enter the United States or seek to enter one more time than the times they're actually caught. So the point that I'm making is that if you're really determined to get in, you're going to get in. And then what? Why aren't we hearing from the Republicans that they will seek legislation to end sanctuary policies? Sanctuary policies undermine national security in a way that gives me nightmares and keeps me awake at night. Not because I'm xenophobic, but I'm a realist, and that was why they were calling upon me, because as an immigration agent, I have investigated and arrested international terrorists. One individual suspected of involvement with the IRA, the Irish Republican Army, back in the 80s. I took a gun away from that guy. Uh, another group of Colombian uh, terrorists, we, we grabbed uh, bomb detonators here in New York City back in the 80s when I was assigned to DEA intelligence. Uh, my first fraud investigation caused me to trip over a PLO plot to blow up an Israeli oil refinery. So when I speak about these issues, it's not conjecture. When I watch many of these folks on TV talking about immigration and national security, what I find particularly vexing and upsetting and frustrating is these people have zero real-world experience. They're just running their mouths. Maybe if they benefited from the kind of upbringing I had, they'd know better. Because even when I was a teenager, if I sat at the dinner table with my mom and dad, may they rest in peace, 
if I started to run my mouth, my father would look across the table at me over the top of his glasses. I used to call it the father look. And he'd get very serious and very stern, and he'd say, Mike, empty barrels make an awful lot of noise. Where are you getting that garbage from? And if I couldn't explain how I came to that opinion, I was in a world of problems. My mother said, my son better not grow up to be a BS artist. The world has enough of those. So I was entitled to an opinion, but only if I could back it up with either a personal experience or clear and unequivocal evidence, information. If it was just a brain fart, they didn't want to hear that at the dinner table. After 9-11, I can't tell you how many journalists asked me if if I thought we should have gone into Iraq. And I had a simple answer. Yes, I have an opinion about it, but no, I'm not going to share it with you because I was never in the military. And I don't know what the president knew or when he knew it. So what's the point to my opinion? It's worthless. It would be a waste of our time. You want to talk about immigration? I know something about that. You want to know about the military? Get yourself a former military officer. And I feel strongly about that. Because you have a lot of people sitting in front of those cameras, running their mouths and misinforming the American people, misleading them. And that's dangerous. And people have this tendency to see somebody on TV and think, well, if that guy's in front of a TV camera, he must know what he's talking about. God help us all. Half of these imbeciles can't cross the street without somebody helping them. Uh, They just have opinions. One of the funniest stories I can tell you, uh, I did a ton of TV shortly after 9-11. I was averaging 20 to 30 TV interviews plus radio interviews on top of that each and every month. It was insane. It was a rare day that I wasn't either on TV, radio, or both, and sometimes multiple programs. And I remember this one day, I was sitting in the back of the limousine that, I don't know if it was CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, they were all calling me. That's when MSNBC was actually a news organization, when CNN really was a news organization. Lou Dobbs was there. I was a regular on Lou's show, sometimes being on his program two or three times in a single week. And I remember sitting in the back of this car, and my driver, I believe, was from Russia. And we got on the Belt Parkway heading into Manhattan, and the guy started laughing. He says, you're going to go on TV, aren't you? I said, yeah. He said, it's obvious you're a real expert on whatever you're going to talk about. And I said, how in the world do you know whether or not I'm really an expert? He said, well, most people that I drive into the city to go on TV wind up sitting in the back of my car working their phone like a crack addict looking for his connection, trying to find out what they're supposed to say once they put the camera on them. He said, you're sitting there ready to go to sleep. I said, yeah, in fact, I am going to go to sleep. Wake me when we get out of the tunnel and we wind up in Manhattan. And he thought that was funny, and I thought it was funny. But it was very telling. He said, most people get in the back of the car and they're frantic. What do I say? I don't know what to do. What, what, when they ask me this, what do I, you know? And he said, you're just sitting there calm as they come. I said, well, this is an area of expertise that I'll be talking about. And, you know, I don't think I need too much coaching at this point. But that's who we wind up listening to on TV. And the only thing worse than no advice is bad advice. And we're getting a ton of bad advice from the politicians and the talking heads, and I don't give a damn which network you're talking about. And people are formulating opinions based on nonsense. And the arguments are as silly as they come. Well, if you can't arrest illegal aliens, then at least you can do is legalize them. And that is that benefit us. 
And people will say to me, well, Mr. Cutler, what would you do with the $11 million you can't arrest? And, you know, I, I may have mentioned it the other day when I was on my program. I said, you know, I, I'm a Jewish kid from Brooklyn, and Jews have a reputation answering a question with another question. So when people would ask me, what would you do with the aliens you can't arrest? My question is, what do the cops do with the drunk drivers they don't catch? You arrest as many people as you can who violate the law. You impose strict punishment. Throw the book at them. Publicize them. Let people know that if you violate the law and we catch you, your day is going to head south very quickly. You're not going to be a happy camper. That is called deterrence through enforcement. When you say to people, well, if we can't arrest you, we're going to give you a green card, what you're doing is firing the starter's pistol for aspiring illegal aliens from all over the world. Way back when, when I did one of my very first appearances on Lou Dobbs, Lou, that expansive way of asking questions, Mike Cutler, what in the world is going on? And I said, look, Lou, look at it this way. Nobody would break into the amusement park if they couldn't get to go on the rides. Here, the American people are paying for these folks to ride, and you're surprised they're showing up. Lou Dobbs broke up laughing so hard that we had to take an unscheduled break. I think it was my second or third time, perhaps, on his program, and he was hysterical. But it's true, and the corollary is that no one stays at the amusement park. At the end of the day, when they turn off the lights and shut down the rides, everyone heads for the exit. So you have sanctuary cities providing illegal aliens with everything their little hearts desire. And I don't blame the aliens. Stupid to not take advantage of these crooked setups that are being created by the politicians. Okay? And if you go back to what Harry Reid and all the others had to say shortly after 9-11 or even before 9-11, Harry Reid would rail about it. You shouldn't give anything to anybody who's here illegally. That's crazy. That's stupid. And within a couple of years, he was advocating a path to citizenship for illegal aliens, where just a year or two earlier, he said, you shouldn't be giving them a cup of coffee. Who got to him? Are these people being bribed? Are they being extorted? Are they being threatened? How do you do a 180? Chuck Schumer, the same deal. How do you get people to do a 180? I testified to Sheila Jackson Lee at two hearings. And she was right on the money, and she was all over the fact that George W. Bush refused to take all the money that Congress appropriated to hire more ICE agents or more Border Patrol agents or, or, or purchase detention spaces. And she said, I think the president is playing with us. We need those spaces. We need those agents. National security is on the line. Just last week, and she went on about some major case where the terrorists were producing phony ID and how that was a threat to national security. That was Sheila Jackson Lee. And then what happens? And then what happens? So you, you look at how all these people suddenly did a 180-degree turnabout on issues involving national security where they know better. Because if you look at the statements that they made previously, they understand completely, completely, the nexus between immigration failures and the threats to national security. And now Title 42 is about to go away. We're looking at millions of people flooding across the borders. And it only took 19 terrorists on 9-11 to kill more people than we lost to the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And we know that immigration fraud is a key issue. So when you flood the political asylum system with all these applicants for asylum who have a snowball's chance in hell of getting political asylum, 
what you're doing is making it impossible for that system to maintain a shred of, de- of, of, of integrity. But let me read something to you in, in point of fact. Because, again, what was the point to the uh, 9-11 Commission report if not to advise our government on what pitfalls to avoid so it doesn't happen to us again? When I was contacted by the 9-11 Commission, they sent me an email, and the gist of the email is, Mr. Cutler, with your background, we believe that your insight could be helpful to us to prevent the next attack. My goosebumps had goosebumps. I immediately contacted them and said, yes, I will come to Washington. You tell me when and where, and I'll be there. And I did, and I provided them with an extensive deposition laying out my perspectives on what we need to do to protect America against terrorists. And I was one of thousands. You know, I wasn't that unique. I mean, I was very honored. I was very happy to contribute to the effort. And that's why I was asked to testify before all those hearings. How do we prevent the next attack? Well, that's certainly a noble goal, isn't it? So how, then, do you have politicians in both parties ignoring the findings of the 9-11 Commission, as though it never even existed? The Republicans would not fund... President Trump's border wall. When I was on this radio show last week, the host said to me, well, you know, the Democrats, the Republicans. I said, really? Did the Republicans fund the border wall? Well, didn't the president build the border wall? I said, yes. And he had to go to court and get money that was allocated to the Defense Department. Not defense, but the Defense Department, in case you misunderstood. Okay. So he got the money for that barrier by taking money from the military budget because this is a matter of national security. You know, I work with the Speaker's Bureau in Washington, and frequently I find myself in front of a room filled with Air Force generals and colonels. And uh, a couple of years ago, one of the people in the audience, I may have mentioned it a while back, was actually one of our astronauts who had just returned from the space station. And the point that I made is that the common shared mission of all branches of our military, common shared mission, is to keep the enemies of America as far from our shores as possible. And I've never gotten pushback from anybody in the military. Sometimes they look at you with this look of surprise. I have had a couple of generals come up to me after a presentation and say, you know, Mr. Culler, I never quite thought of immigration the way you describe it, but you're right. Because I went on and said that while the mission of the, the shared mission of the military is to keep our enemies as far from our borders as possible, up close and in person, guess who gets that assignment? It's the Border Patrol, it's the Coast Guard, and it's the men and women of ICE. And you can see the light bulb go off, and they say, gee whiz, you're right. And everybody knows that this isn't a state secret. And yet, you couldn't get the Republicans to fund the border wall, which, by the way, was never designed to keep anybody out of the United States. Pelosi would rant and rave, oh, my God, a wall of hate, it's because you hate. No, 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 no. The border wall was not designed to keep people out of the country. It wasn't. If it was, it would have blocked off ports of entry, but the border wall was never designed to block the ports of entry, only to fill in the spaces between ports of entry, forcing everyone to go through a port of entry, or at least certainly cutting down on the number of people who could evade that inspections process that we conducted ports of entry to keep out criminals and terrorists and spies and so forth, and people that would take the jobs of Americans or people who might be very ill. I know, I was an inspector for the INS for four years at the beginning of my career before I became a special agent. That's the mission, okay? 
the way I described it when I worked with Arizona, when I helped them with SB 1070, I said, for those four years when I sat in that booth at Kennedy International Airport as an INS inspector, I had my eye to the peephole on America's front door. That's what the job was. Daunting as it was, but that was the point, to make sure that we didn't let people in who wanted to hurt us. That's anti-immigrant. And when you go to a baseball game or you go to a football game, you go to the stadium, the ballpark, you're not allowed to traipse across the field. You're expected to purchase a ticket and go through a gate. And you give them the ticket and they put you through a metal detector perhaps, and then you're invited to take your seat and enjoy the game. The gate at that football stadium, the gate at that baseball park, is the equivalent of a port of entry along America's borders or at an international airport. That's the analogy. What is wrong with that? Could you imagine what would happen at the baseball park if there were no gates and people were told, just come on down and run across the field, knock yourself out? Could they have an orderly game? No. Is it anti-fan to expect the patrons of a baseball game or a football game or a soccer game, whatever event, to go through a gate in an orderly process and then take a seat? Is that too much to ask for? You go to the airport, you go through the cattle run, ESA inspects your baggage, maybe you go through that x-ray machine so we can all glow in the dark, right? And then we get on the airplane. Who would get on an airplane if they saw a fellow passenger sneaking past TSA? That's what we're talking about. But yet the Republicans absolutely would not fund Trump's border wall. And it was the Republicans, starting with Reagan, who gave us the first amnesty. And I don't want to hear any excuses. Let's stop it. We need to make political leaders for both parties accountable and stop giving them a way out when they're stupid or when they screw up. No one gives you a way out on your job. And this is fundamental, folks. It's both parties that have done this. And one of the reasons that Trump so upset the establishment was he was the first president to speak honestly about immigration, but it didn't go far enough because really the key is interior enforcement. Because all the Border Patrol does is interdiction. ICE agents investigate fraud, people that get married for fraud. I know, I did that job. We've had terrorists getting married on paper so they can get green cards. Look at Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber. Look at the... Uh, Charneyev brothers, who the family got political asylum by lying, and then once they got asylum, they went to Russia, and then they came back, and we had the attack on the Boston Marathon. Look at what happened in San Bernardino with that couple. Look at the 9-11 hijackers. Every one of them committed immigration fraud. The same thing with the 93 bombing at the Trade Center. And then there was the, uh, the uh, guy, Kansi, who shot up the CIA in uh, January of 1993, uh, just one month before the bombing at the Trade Center. All committed immigration fraud, and there have been many others. Immigration fraud is one of the areas addressed by ICE agents, not the Border Patrol. The Border Patrol has less than nothing to do with that. But all we're hearing about is let's get Border Patrol agents. We need ICE agents. ICE agents go after employers who hire illegal aliens, which creates that magnet, the incentive for the illegals to come here. It also creates an embedding opportunity. Think of how many terrorists have gotten jobs involving motor vehicles, taxi cabs, airport limos, ice cream trucks. A motor vehicle gives a terrorist mobility and camouflage. And you have states across this country giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. 
It violates the findings of the 9-11 Commission, violates the Real ID Act, violates common sense. And then the argument is, well, how can they get to work? They're not supposed to be working. They're taking jobs that should go to Americans and lawful immigrants. It used to be when the Democrats were really Democrats before they morphed into totalitarian fascists, okay, that they were the ones banging that drum the loudest. We've got to protect jobs and wages of American workers. That's why I became a Democrat, because my dad was a tradesman. He was a plumber on new construction. And to me, tradesmen rock, because without tradesmen, folks, you wouldn't have a country. You'd be living under a shade tree somewhere or in a cave. Tradesmen who build the buildings and the highways and the hospitals and the cars and the trains and the airplanes, that's all done by tradesmen. Two of my boys are engineers. I had planned to be an engineer. Engineers are actually professional blue-collar workers when you think about what they do. They build the trains and the cars. and the, They build all of those elements that we call our society. Lawyers don't do that. Accountants don't do that. Bankers certainly don't do that. I love bankers. They tell you that they offer a product. Did you ever know that three-card Monty was a product? Seriously? No, it's blue-collar America that rocks. They go out there to do the dangerous, back-breaking, filthy work so that we build a city, we build societies, we build the capacity to move food and people and build the buildings and build the hospital. Where will we be without construction workers, road builders, people on the assembly line building the cars? So we hear about the work Americans won't do. Seriously? No, I mean, this is sheer madness. And so we know that Title 42 is about to go away. Why aren't the Republicans demanding interior enforcement? We've got to go after the fraud. We have to go after the fraud. Let me tell you what the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel had to say. This is an official government report that was prepared by the federal agents and attorneys who were assigned to work with the 9-11 Commission. The preface starts out by saying it is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11th, while there were efforts to to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. I just have to stop and say what kind of idiots ran these agencies that they didn't understand that if you want to protect the country, keep out the enemy. I mean, really? You not lock your door at night before you go to sleep? Okay. No agency, no agency, unbelievable, of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, for reasons we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. Well, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Forgive me. <clears throat> and then we, we get to this statement, again, from that report. Once terrorists had entered the United States, their next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. Exactly what I just said to you, isn't it? That, by the way, again, the bailiwick of ICE. That is their unique responsibility. And it's not being done at all by this administration. You know, when we talk about the border wall, the people that have posed the wall said, well, if you build a 20-foot wall, they will come with a 25-foot ladder. They don't need a 25-foot ladder. 
an alien who's given a green card or another immigration document or a U.S. passport walks right through that port of entry and gets welcomed with open arms into our country. The wall basically does not exist for an alien who has a green card, a passport, or another such document. And there what we're talking about, immigration fraud, aren't we? So it goes on, it says, for example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence in the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. Mohammed Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, overstayed his tourist visa, so he was here as an illegal alien and rented a truck, okay? He then applied for permanent residency under the agriculture worker program, but was rejected. Iyad Mahmo Ishmael, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa, and after he dropped out, he remained in the United States out of status. Wow. Concrete examples of terrorists renting and driving a bomb-laden truck. And what do we do about it today? We're giving driver's licenses to people without knowing who the hell they are. It's happening across the state, the country. And any state that gives anybody a driver's license, that license from one state is good in all other states. So you may live in a state where you have good leaders, and they say, we're not going to do this, but it doesn't matter because a terrorist can come to your state from New York or New Jersey or Pennsylvania or Illinois or California, rent a truck and blow you up. God forbid. That's the risk we're talking about, folks. And then the commission report went on and said, although there's evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports. Are we hearing anything about who we're letting in at airports under the corrupt Biden administration? Not a word. All we're hearing about is the Mexican border. Do you not think that the way we're giving visas and admitting aliens into our country at ports of entry is still a problem? Of course it is. So now they're stealing one of my lines. Oh, now every state's a border state. And why are they saying, well, the aliens are being moved around the country? So they're coming to your state. No. New York hits a trifecta. We have a huge population of illegal aliens in New York who came through Kennedy International Airport and then disappeared. Okay? We are a country of 50 border states. The only way into the country is not the Mexican border. There's many ways of entering. We have 95,000 miles of coastline. There's a Canadian border, international airports, and unauthorized landing strips scattered all across the country. Okay? But... Here's the, the, the last sentence to this particular passage. Thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. It would remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns till after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. Interior enforcement. And what are we doing? Why aren't the Republicans jumping up and down the way Trump did and said, we will end sanctuary cities. We will pass laws that make it illegal. Some states want sanctuary laws about firearms, and the, and the lunatic left went and said, you can't have a sanctuary city. The federal laws are the federal laws. Really? And what about the federal immigration laws? Oops. Page 61 exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups 
including Hamas, Hezbollah, and Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there's evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. Again, we're talking about fraud. We're talking about the mission of ICE, one of its missions. And then we get to this paragraph. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this could be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, by the way, that's DACA, right, temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. Isn't that what we're seeing with the vast majority of these aliens flooding across the border now, applying for asylum, right? In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the aliens to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. Wow. Wow. And meanwhile, we hear all about sustainability. And I've mentioned it before. I'm going to mention it again. There's a very bad drought ongoing in the West. Livestock dying in Texas. Forests are dying because the trees are shriveling up, and then you have fires because of that. We have a problem with drought. Every person present in the United States requires 100 gallons of water a day, roughly. I did some digging around. It's for drinking and bathing and using the toilet and, and cooking. And then you need water for irrigation to grow the crops and water for the livestock and on and on and on. But a minimum of 100 gallons per person. I've read all kinds of estimates. Today, Tom Cotton said that because of Biden, 5 million aliens have entered the United States. 5 million. If that's accurate, that means every day 500 million gallons of water are being consumed that otherwise would not be during one of the worst droughts in history. Why is no one on the Republican side jumping up and down and talking about that? Why don't they talk about the impact of bringing children into our schools who can't speak, read, or write English? Back around 2006, the Congressional Budget Office did a study and found that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate kids who can't speak, read, or write English. Because the Republicans want open borders. They don't want to end the problem. They just want to use it as a funding mechanism and a photo op so they can pound the podium and say, vote for us, don't vote for them. Do they want to end this? No. And now you've got McCarthy saying, well, we're not going to do anything about comprehensive reform until they secure the border. What border? Why would you give lawful status to people where you have no clue as to who they are and the numbers are off the charts? And if, let's say, there's 30 million, the 11 million is ridiculous. And let's say they each apply on average for four children to come here from all over the world. You could be looking at an additional influx of over 100 million kids who immediately would have to go to American schools. 100 million kids. 100 million. Think about that number. Is that sustainable? Do you wonder why Americans are disenchanted with the system? Do you wonder why it's easy to sell kids who have no clue about communism or socialism on communism or socialism? Because the system isn't working for them or their families. People can't afford to live in America, and it's only getting worse. And meanwhile, the corporate elite are making billions of dollars flying a world, around the world in their jet planes, 
and the average American doesn't know how to get the money to get a gas, full, a gas tank full for his car. So you're undermining the American dream for Americans, and then people are in shock that American families don't get the point to capitalism, because this really isn't capitalism, it's corporate welfare, isn't it? But that's where we are today. That's where we are because we are dealing with uh, – hang on one second. Okay, we're going to change. Because we're dealing with, with a bunch of politicians who are doing what they're told to do by the people who write the campaign contributions, right? And then there was a – this is an amazing press release, December 6th, Justice Department. You won't believe this one, folks. Criminal charges unsealed against 12 individuals in wide-ranging scheme to monopolize transmigrante industry and extort competitors near the U.S.-Mexican border. Transmigrante industry. What's the industry? Moving cars and other goods from the United States into Latin America. And I promise you that people that are moving goods are moving people. And they now give this thing an air, an air of legitimacy by calling it the transmigrante industry. And this is being investigated by the antitrust division of DOJ for extortion and not playing by the rules. Don't worry about smuggling human beings. Who cares about that? We're going to go after people, though, because of antitrust violations. And now Mallorca said, I never said the border was secure. And his idea of security is what? giving more NGOs more money and maybe more kickbacks, God only knows. There's no, there's no real check or balance on anything being done with these NGOs. And why aren't the Republicans calling them out? This should have been all over the campaign this last go-around, shouldn't it? That's why I said that this was their election to lose. And they did. They didn't have the moral fiber to call out the Democrats for the damage being done by these open borders policies because these are the same policies they would love to implement. Again, they did not fund Trump's border wall. They don't talk about interior enforcement. They don't talk about anything except vote for me, I'm not the other guy. Both parties are all in. These are the Republicrats. They want open borders. They want globalism. They want the destruction of the middle class so that the corporate elite can make even more money and the hell with the average American. The fundamental question we should all be asking every elected representative is how are your policies in our, our, we the people, our best interests? The holidays are coming. As you sit around the table celebrating the holidays, hopefully it's a good holiday season for all of you, please Please raise those discussions with your, with your neighbors, with your friends, with family. Tell them, look, this isn't about playing politics. This is about the future of our country. This is about the future of our children, our nieces, our nephews, their children. My father said to me, Mike, you're going to teach people how they should treat you by demonstrating what you're willing to accept. We should not be accepting this betrayal by the politicians from both political parties. Is it too much to expect? that the government of the United States would prioritize the best interests of the citizens of the United States. I'm tired of hearing about America first. What I really want to hear about is Americans first, we the people. Please remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. 
Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Happy I could join you finally. And I look forward to seeing you again next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Have a great weekend. Again, those of you celebrating, happy Hanukkah. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.